Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast, part number seven of our series, uh, New Ideas for the New Year. We have one more episode in the series tomorrow, and then we'll have made it through <laughs> all eight episodes in eight days. Who does that? Uh, we do it here at the What If Project, but I hope, I hope these episodes have been helpful for you. Um, as we said at the outset, they're not all for everybody, but hopefully everybody can find something in one of these episodes to inspire them or give them some new perspective um, as you start off on the new year. We've talked to astrologists, we've talked to, um, we talked about Jesus and his Aramaic tongue and how that can help us uh, give us some, some good perspective on some of the stories about Jesus, some of his teachings and how that uh, lens of his native language kind of changes some different things. We talked about uh, Dharma, right? Some Hindu philosophy. We've talked about uh, mediumship, what happens when we die. We've talked about tarot. We've talked about so many different things. And today we're talking to Keith Giles. You know Keith. Keith has been on the show a bunch of times. But in this episode, we talk about something really interesting. We talk about how his own faith has evolved. If you know Keith, you know him probably mostly for his Jesus Un series. I think it's like seven books. I think it's seven. Yeah, seven sounds right. Seven's like the perfect perf- perfection in the Bible. So we're just going to go with it. Seven, I think there's seven books. And he, he goes through, each book is like a, it's like deconstructing a different piece of like theology that a lot of us were handed, especially if you grew up in an evangelical setting maybe on the more fundamentalist side, right? Like, you know, for instance, there's one book about hell. When you die, if you don't believe in Jesus, you go to hell. And this whole book deconstructs that idea. There's another book about like the end times, right? There's going to be a rapture, the second coming. Jesus is going to take people away and everybody's left here is going to burn. And there's post-trib and pre-trib and post-mill and pre-mill, all the different stuff. He, he takes it all apart in this book, right? So every book addresses a different one of these points. But then after that, he, he, he wrote these other two books, uh, Sola Mysterium and Sola Deus. And in those books, there's a clear shift <laughs> in thinking. Like if you picked up those books coming right off the other seven books and you think it's going to be like a continuation, you're in for a, you're in for a surprise, <laughs> right? Because you, it's a clear shift. So I asked him in the show, I'm like, Keith, tell me. There's an obvious shift in your writing. Tell me what was going on in the life of Keith Giles when this shift took place. Uh, what happened in your life that brought about this shift, this clear development in how you think about life and faith and God and you know all the different things? And then he released a Facebook video not that long ago where he took it even a step further. So I said, talk to me about this video and what's going on in your life right now in this moment as you continue to rethink a lot of these things. And so we got into a really good discussion. Uh, I think of this whole series, this is my favorite discussion. We, we talk about a lot of things in this episode. And we touch on, similar to yesterday's stuff with the sacred web, the interconnectedness of all things, right? Our oneness with God, our oneness with each other. And how if we really grasp that idea... Uh, as individuals, but as a society at large, the amount of things that would change 
if we could just grasp this one idea. So we go down a lot of rabbit holes in this one. And I love Keith. He's doing some really good work in the world. So I'm going to put his links uh, to these books in the show notes. Also in the show notes are links to my books, Rethinking Everything, Emerging from the Rubble. And of course, a link to Patreon if you want to support the show. That's a place where you can do that uh, with a monthly offering. Or there's also a spot on the website. I'll put that in, in the show notes as well where you can do a one-time uh, support option where you can give $5, $10, $100, whatever it is you want to do one time as opposed to monthly with Patreon. So anyway, all the links in the show notes, episode 277 with the one and the only Keith Giles. Enjoy. Whispers in my head, what you gonna do? So take it, kid, Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're sitting down with Keith Giles to talk about a few things. And so Keith, welcome back to the show. It's always good to connect. Oh, Glenn, it's a, an honor and a pleasure to be back with you again. Thanks so much for having me back on. Absolutely. So uh, first off, you have a book that you uh, somewhat recently released. It's been a little bit, but the, the last one, Sola Deos, a follow-up to the previous uh, Sola Mysterium. And so mm-hmm. we're going to touch on both of those in, in just a moment. But then beyond that, I really want to pick your brain about what's currently going on in your journey, your faith evolution, whatever it is that we want to call it, yeah. uh, based upon a video that you posted to Facebook uh, last week, I think it was. Yeah. And you called it a recent uh, epiphany about my purpose and my and my future. And so we have we have some ground to cover. I don't know what kind of weeds we're going to get into, Keith, but I brought my coffee, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, okay. I got mine too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So you're perhaps probably best known, I would say, for your Jesus Un series, right? Where Mm -hmm. you go like book by book and you like literally dismantle pieces of more like pop evangelical theology that can oftentimes be harmful. I know it's harmed me in a lot of ways. It could be toxic. It can be very unchristlike, right? Eternal conscious torment, the rapture, Christian nationalism, like all these different things. And then, like we said, you release these other two very different books, uh, Solo Mysterium and, and Solo Deus. And so my question to kind of kick it off is, and we'll get to your current place in your journey in a minute, but can you take us through this progression of, of thinking from the land of like Jesus un <laughs> to the yeah. land of all things solo? Because it's one thing like for me to read this progression and see it kind of play out in the books. I think it's a very beautiful evolution, but can mm-hmm. you bring us like behind the scenes and talk to us about the everyday life of Keith Giles, like what was going on in your heart, in your mind, as this clear shift, I think, in your writing was what's happening. Yeah, and it really was exactly like you just described. It was, um, I, I had finished the Jesus on series. Um, and, you know, each of those books, as I was writing them and researching them, and, and this was based on, it was refle- a reflection of things I was going through myself mm-hmm. at the time, right? Or, th- or things I was wrestling with or things I needed answers to. Sure. And um, and so, I, you know, writing the book was more of a way of like just 
trying to help other people, like leave, trying to leave something behind, you know, for people, if they come up the, the trail behind me, like, Hey, here's your little survival kit to get you to the next one. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, I did that and, um, cause I genuinely had those questions, you know, and I, I've been doing this thing called square one where I'm helping people walk through their deconstruction and, and into whatever their reconstruction might look like for them. And it's different for everybody. Right. So, um, the books were also kind of a part of that as well and grew out of conversations I was having with those people. So, you know, when I f- uh, published Jesus Unarmed, that was the final one in the series. I knew, okay, the series is over. And I was kind of like you're saying, I was just kind of asking myself, okay, now what? <laughs> mm-hmm. What do I do now as a writer, as a as a thinker, as you know, a, a communicator? Like, what's next for me? Mm-hmm. And I think fairly quickly what I realized, because this is something I learned myself walking people through square one and two, and now there's also a square three. Um Real, I realized listening to them and also like we're taking an assessment of where I was. Mm-hmm. The sort of the the sort of the so what for me after the Jesus Unseries was over, uh, I asked that question. So what? Now what? And the answer was sort of like to just kind of let go of all of those, um, all of those things. Like I could finally walk it away from it. I could leave those. I really mm-hmm. could, or sort of set those down and move on. Mm-hmm. And, and figure out, okay, so now that I've answered all these questions, now that I've, I know what I don't believe, um, what is it I'm going to take with me moving forward? And there's something that I say to everybody in square one, really near the beginning of the course, where I say, in all of your deconstruction of your theology, I recommend you deconstruct, you need to be right about everything. And that was what really stuck with me. Like, okay, yeah, it's not about being right. It's not about information. It's about transformation. So let's move into the transformation piece. And that's where Solar Mysterium came from. It was Mm -hmm. like, okay, to do that, if you're really going to do that, you have to learn how to embrace mystery. So how do we embrace mystery? How do Mm -hmm. I embrace mystery? Mm -hmm. Um, And so Solar Mysterium was really just an exploration of that. It was uh, my goal in that was to help other readers. And again, it's really intended as sort of a phase two, like, uh, I had people tell me like, maybe they'd only have read one or two Jesus unbooks and they were like, oh, I can't wait to read Solo Mysterium. And I was kind of like, no, Ooh. I think you can wait. <laughs> right. Not yet. <laughs> Finish reading the Jesus Un stuff because right. you know, this is, uh, and, and again, because I think that's necessary. You have to go through that. I had to go through that. Yep. Before I was really ready, I was at a place where I was like, okay, now I can let go of this. And, and this stuff has let go of me right? It has no mm-hmm. hold on me anymore. I can really just move on from this and I can begin to think about and embrace this idea of, of the mystery of God, um, not needing answers for everything. And um, yeah, so that was where Sola Mysterium came from. Yeah. And um, and Sola, Sola Deus fl- flowed out of some things that were still left unanswered for me in Sola Mysterium. Mm. So what is the, like when you get the Sol- Sola Deus, what is going on in that book that to step ahead of solo mysterium like what's the next level yeah and again I, this may not be the next step for everybody this is sure. just where i was at right um so yeah i i, I was all in on solo mysterium i i still am i i think that did that one get you canceled in some circles too did oh, people yes, ask you did. love set <laughs> it really did and, I, and i'm trying to be i haven't i so far i've not divulged the names of the people but uh there was someone, if I said the name, my, these readers, your listeners, I'm sorry, your, your listeners would definitely know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and, but I understand why, you know, mm-hmm. like um, there was one person initially and then a couple others after that. And what I realized was the reason, so these are people that were 
and they're still my friends, right? So mm-hmm. I want to make sure. sure that's clear too. We haven't broken fellowship or anything. Um, but I think the reason why some of my progressive Christian friends um, couldn't endorse my books uh, from Solomon, starting with Solomon Mysterium, um, was because I'm challenging something in Solomon Mysterium, or I'm championing something in Solomon Mysterium, that it, it does cross a line for them that they can't go beyond, and. And I had to figure that out. Like, why was that? What's going on? I mean, I thought these people were on my team. I thought we were all tracking together. And all of a sudden it's like, they put the brakes on and like, nope, Keith, I can't go with you there. And I think it's because the specific people that um, that couldn't endorse me or wouldn't endorse me or flat out warn me not to, not to write that book and not to publish that book. Um, they were all, and this is going to give you a clue, I guess. Uh, they're all sort of pastors of... Mm-hmm progressive churches and, or in some capacity, they are still part of, they're, they're in positions where um, what they're trying to do is sort of keep everybody in Christendom, right? They want to keep everybody as a Christian. No, no, being a Christian is a good thing. Let's just don't listen to the crazies over there. You know, let's, it's progressive. It's, it's, let's deconstruct some things, but you know what? The Bible is still the word of God and Jesus is still, you know, the second person of the Trinity. And, um, and, you know, don't leave the church. You got to stay in the church. It's really important to stay inside this Christian, you know, organization and that kind of thing. And, and that's okay. You know, if that's what they're doing and if they, yeah. if that what they believe, you know, they need to do, but I'm not connected to any church and I'm not a pastor of anything. Um, and so I'm, I'm just really not, I'm not a gatekeeper for Christianity. I'm not a, I'm not an apologist for Christianity. I'm certainly not someone who says that, you know, no, 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 you got to keep reading the Bible. And, um, you know, because in Solomon Mysterium, what I suggested, and these are specific things that they objected to. So I knew I was on the right track uh, with that <laughs> guess. Um, what was it when I said things that, like when I quoted Black Elk or or Rumi mm-hmm. or uh, Socrates or um, the Gospel of Thomas, you know, yeah. when I suggested that um, truth was, yes, you could find truth in Christianity, you could find truth in Paul and and in Jesus and in the Gospels, yes. But you know, I just I sort of expanded that the scope of that, and I said, yeah. but you could also find truth. And I quoted, you know, in the book, I said, you know, here's here's some beautiful truth from Buddha. Here's some beautiful truth from Rumi. Here's some beautiful truth from the Gospel of Thomas. Here's some beautiful truth from um, the Book of the Dead, from the Egyptian yeah. Book of the Dead. Yeah. Um, and that made people nervous. You know what yeah. I mean? I was like, whoa, whoa, don't tell people that. Don't tell people that they can move outside of Christianity to find wisdom and truth and, uh, you know, and things like that. So I, I think that was the reason why yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't say, I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you're pretty, pretty spot on. That was probably the reason yeah. why. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, and, and tell me what you think about this because I, I, you and I are in like a similar yeah. path exploring similar things. And what I found is that like, I got a lot of those warnings too. Like I had yeah. people come in my DM, especially like professors from seminary, like, you know, you're getting into some really dangerous territory. But I noticed that those messages started to come because it was like I was I was rethinking. I was I was free to rethink in their eyes some of the orthodox principles like you're free to rethink hell. Yeah. You're free to rethink atonement. You're free to rethink. But when you start flat out rejecting these things and then kind of going into another direction, that's when all the alarms went off. But what I found is that the, yeah. the deeper that I went into the history of Christianity, the wider I found that the road 
was right like you look at like the gnostic traditions you look at all these traditions that got lost like a lot of the things that you talk about in solo mysterium you can find traces of those things in like the non Hammadi scriptures and the scriptures that were close to these first second century people that Mm -hmm. got lost along the way and like bart ehrman says that like the orthodox tradition is that's great but that was just one of the roads that there was back then but they're the ones that won and so they're yes. the voice, the voice that's the loudest, but that doesn't discount the fact that there were other people who mm-hmm. were exploring these very similar things that you talk about in both of those books. Yeah, no, and exactly. And I think the book that, and the person that really helped me see exactly what you just said, because um, that is exactly right, right? Mm-hmm. There were Christianities, yep. plural. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was, Elaine Pagels has a book called Beyond Belief. Yeah. Holy cow. When right I read there that on book. My shelf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got my mind's back here. Yeah. Um, I, when I read that book, I, what I'm so grateful for her in that book was she pointed out to me this power struggle that happened pretty early on between Irenaeus and the followers of Valentinus. And as I was reading it, a couple of things happened. One was I noticed that the way Irenaeus and his followers, uh, which we call the proto Orthodox, mm-hmm. the way they were critiquing and attacking um, and condemning and, and canceling people like Valentinus and his followers and his teachings was very similar to the way John MacArthur wanted to cancel Rob Bell. It was like, you could just change the names and the, it was like, the script was the same. Farewell Valentinus. <laughs> yeah. And, and I realized a couple, I was like, dude, if I lived back then, I would definitely been on team Valentinus. I would have yeah. been like, no, because it's way more mystical. It's way more yeah. like, Hey, God is a mystery. And like, that's one of the things they're, they're all about is God is beyond knowing, you know, God is the great mystery. And and we don't wait until they shied away from this very heavy doctrinal kind of, you know, no, God is in this box and God is only this, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I was like, yeah. And then I think uh, to your point too, like when you go back to the early church, you notice um, that they were reading way more material. I mean, Paul quotes, um, you know, Greek poets. He, you know, we see him in, in Acts and in his letters. He is yeah. quoting other texts. And in fact, I I strongly believe, uh, I have a book on the Gospel of Thomas coming out next year, and um, volume one, it's part, part one. Um, but I strongly believe that there is a passage, I think it's in 1 Corinthians. It is, yeah. It's a passage in 1 Corinthians where I, I would bet money that Paul is quoting Thomas. Mm. Um, it, when you read it, when you read the passage, the footnote in my study Bible points it to a verse in Isaiah. Mm-hmm. When you read the verse in Isaiah, it is not even close to that. But when you read this passage of the saying from Thomas, it's almost verbatim. Mm. And what's funny is when Paul quotes it, he says, you know, it is written as if he is quoting scripture. Interesting. And then he quotes the saying from Thomas. Mm. So I, I think Tom, I think Paul was aware of that text. And I think he was definitely aware of Valentinus and his teachings because it's, well, I should flip it around because he came before Valentinus. Um, I think this is where Valentinus got these ideas. Yeah. Because uh, Valentinus is, um, was it Theodos, I think was his name, was so. uh, the mentor for Valentinus. And Theodos was a disciple of Paul. Yeah. So it, it, it to me, it tracks that this is where this came from. Yeah. Paul Paul was teaching this kind of stuff, which is, I guess we should go on and say it. But the, the main thing that Paul was teaching um, was this idea of divine unity or uh, the illusion of separation, that there is no separation between us and God. 
and there's and therefore no separation between uh, humanity we're all that we have a oneness a divine oneness that we share Hmm. um i think that came from paul i think it's reflected in colossians and ephesians which i don't think paul wrote but i do think his one of his disciples did um and it goes in line with what theodos and you know taught valentinus and what valentinus wrote about as well so Hmm. um but yeah you're totally right so it 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 changed my perspective on early christianity it wasn't as rigid um as we want it to be or as it has become now yeah yeah for me the book that did that for me was ehrman's book lost christianities because when i yeah. first got that book i i on my plural christianity is like there's more than one like what is this book yeah, yeah, I, I was like about? very new to this whole like line of thinking and i read the first like chapter and it just completely blew my mind and i put the book away because it like scared me because i was like this yeah. is too much for me right now <laughs> like i'm deconstructing i don't know if i'm ready to go down this road yet but then yeah. I took it back out and I'm like, wow, like this is so amazing to me. And I ran it by Alexander Shia, who's a very like mystical thinker, very into this whole idea of oneness. And he said to me, he said, you, you got to understand that like you, you grew up in a world. He said, he, he didn't grow up in this world. He's like, you grew up in a world that was very, you know, very narrow in terms of like the evangelical fundamentalist conservative stream of thinking. He said, you were told like, that's the only way to believe because you got to realize that like the roots of your faith are so wide and yes. so deep He's like, it's crazy. And that made me feel so good because so many people are telling me like, you can't be a Christian anymore. Like you can't call yourself a Christian if you're going to deny the atonement yeah. or you're going to deny hell or whatever it is. But then I started to read this stuff and like really try to get like, some kind of grasp on what these people really thought. And I'm like, wow, like I can fall in line with a whole lot of these things. I might not fall on one road in particular, but I feel like I can dabble in all yep. these roads and I can yep. there I can therefore call myself whatever I want to call myself. That's exactly <laughs> which is right. which is a Christian in this moment. <laughs> yeah. No, it's exactly right. It's so funny that you had a book like that where you started to read it and you put it down because yeah. it scared you. Uh, my Couldn't book was it. Marcus Borg. I was oh. reading Marcus Borg and I think it's the book um the title is something like Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time. Mm. And uh, and that's the one that I was reading. I was tracking along. I was loving the book. And then I came to this one spot where he was comparing the, I think it's the wisdom of Solomon, which is a kind of a, an apocryphal, you know, uh, book, Old Testament book. And uh, the way it talks about Sophia is verbatim nearly uh, the way John in the gospel of John talks about the logos. Hmm. And the implications of that when I was reading it was that, oh, well, wait a minute, because when the wisdom of Solomon is talking about wisdom, that's what Sophia is. It, it personifies wisdom as a, as a woman. Mm-hmm. And then it describes her in these kind of ways, like she was with God in the beginning of creation, right? All this stuff. Yeah. What I realized was, was like, oh, that could be a metaphor. Like maybe that's not meant to be literal. Mm. And that scared the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> And I had to put it away. Uh, what's, but the ironic thing is that um, when I wrote Solideos, I went back and I quoted that exact passage. And now I'm like, I think this is a good thing. This is right. I, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Mark. Uh, yep. So, yeah, it's funny. I kind of came full circle on that. That's me too. Like that book, I've gone back to that book so many times. It's now like my one of my favorite books on my shelf is that yep. book because I go back to it all the time. Because now, now I feel like I'm in a place where I'm more free to embrace the things that I was super scared of you know, back yes. then. All right. So now take us into today. Let's talk about this video you yes. posted the other day about this epiphany about your kind of your present and your future, things like that. Because yeah. I was reading through some of the comments and it felt like a lot of people are tracking with you. It felt like some people maybe 
weren't too sure, but take us into the land of today. What's going on in the, in the mind of Keith today? (laughs) Right. Well, um, yeah, I'll try to summarize my epiphany that I talked about in the video. Um, well, so I guess I should say like kind of what happened. Like, so I wrote Solo Mysterium. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, again, everything we, everything we just talked about is kind of wrapped up in that. And I wrote Solo Deus and it was answering some specific questions that I, I had, you know, which was really just sort of the, how do we think about God? What is the, you know, there's a sort of, I think there's sort of a right way and a wrong way to kind of like uh, imagine what God is like. And so I, I was wrestling with the, the, what I perceived as the, the differences between pantheism and panentheism um arrived at a place of feeling like it i think the answer is somewhere between like they're kind of both right i don't know mm-hmm. how but i think they're both right there's not one or the other mm-hmm. um, but again it's still a mystery but, can you quickly uh, summarize what those two things are for people that might not know sure yeah yeah so pantheism is the view that god is everything mm-hmm. everything is god yeah which tends to make you think of god as an impersonal sort of a force yeah um and then there's panentheism richard Rohr is a, is uh probably the most prominent uh thinker you know proponent of this view panentheism is the view that god is in all things but god is not all things so god is still um a being who exists apart from creation but definitely is he would say sort of incarnated in all creation at the same time and so i embraced panentheism i really Mm -hmm. did i love richard Rohr. Mm -hmm. um and then but the more I thought about it, I was like, well, where's the line between panentheism and pantheism? At what point does, you know, one end and the other begin? And sure. what are the real markers there between the distinctions there? And in the process of thinking through that, I, then I started to move into pantheism. Like, no, I think God is everything. Mm. Um, and then what pulled me back was a conversation I had with someone where they were like, yeah, but God is relational, right? There's still a relationship with God, right? there, And for there to be a relationship, there kind of has to be a bit of a... God is here and I'm here, even, even if God is in me. Some degree of separation. Yeah, there has yeah. to be some some level, at least on the relational level. Yeah. And so that's right, got into like the territory of like, well, I do think that's true. Um, for there for God to be love, for love to be shared between God and myself and everything. You know, in other words, like it was like that's when I realized there's a Venn diagram and the truth is somewhere on the overlap. You know, right. it's not this and it's not that, but it's some and it's a mystery. Again, I can't explain it, but mm-hmm. Um, I just have to let go and say, I can't explain it, but that doesn't mean it isn't true. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm very comfortable doing that when I, when I believed in the Trinity, um, cause I would, I would explain it all the time to people and say, it doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. You can't right. understand it. It just <laughs> is and move on. So that's, I'm just going to say, this just is, I don't have to explain it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, that's where I was at, but I will say in the last month or so, well, a couple of months, it's really been probably like five months, probably since the book came out. I felt like in my personal life, this was my epiphany. I felt like in my personal life, um, I just sort of, I came on this, this massive, incredible aha realization that, that there is no separation, right? This, mm-hmm. this idea that was, as we were saying that, that God is in all things that, that, um, that we have, that there is no separation between us and God and therefore no separation between humans and other humans mm-hmm. that we all have this connection, right? Quantum science uh, backs this up. It, you know, the idea that there, we perceive the world and the universe as separate things, right? You're there, I'm here. This is my microphone. This is my coffee mug. Yeah. These are all different things. I'm not the coffee mug. I'm I'm not the pen in your hand. You know, we're all sure. we're very separate and different. Right. That's the way we experience and, and perceive the world. Mm-hmm. But quantum science says that that's an illusion, that the reality is there is only one thing in the entire universe, and that's the quantum field. And everything in the universe 
is an expression of that quantum field. And, mm-hmm. and that really is just sort of a scientific way of, of affirming what the mystics have been saying, what Thomas was saying, you know, what all, all this kind of stuff. Um, so anyway, I had that realization. I fully believe that I fully embrace that. But then this slump I was going through for a few months, I realized it's because I had that massive realization and my response was just kind of like me, uh, <laughs> like, wait a minute, how can <laughs> I, how can I get this? Right. Because I think it's so revolutionary. I, in fact, mm-hmm. so as I was sitting on my couch last week, you know, um, thinking about this, I got up early in the morning I was just sitting alone in the dark and was just like, why am I in this slump? Right. And, and that this kind of like realization came to me like, oh my gosh, Keith, I think this is what Jesus was actually saying. This is the, this was the revolutionary thing that Jesus wanted people to understand. When he starts his ministry in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, metanoia, change your mind, think mm-hmm. different, get ready. I'm going to blow your mind. Ready? Here it is. Yeah. The kingdom of God is within you. It's not out there. It's not coming soon. He, you know, he gives all these examples and parables and stories about that, like, don't go out into the desert. Don't believe if someone comes later and tells you the kingdom of God is over here. I found it over there. They're lying to you because the kingdom of God is within you and within all of us. Yeah. And and that's what is the sort of, if we can metanoia that, if we can get that, if we can awaken to that reality that there is no separation between us and God and the kingdom of God, that that also connects us to everyone else. Mm. That That if we can get that, the realization, that's what empowers us to love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. as ourself because when yeah. we look at our neighbor we see ourselves. Yeah, yeah. that's what allows us to love our enemy because now when i look at my enemy i, I see myself and i see god yeah. i see christ in that person and i see myself in that person at the same time and it really completely tears down this us and them mentality and yeah. this 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 dual duality this separation uh, mentality and and if once that's erased you know once once i can no longer see another human being as separate from God or separate from myself. Um, I think that's the, re- that's how we in poverty. Mm. That's how we stop going to war yeah. because how can I go to war and kill someone who is in the, is Christ? How can I kill Christ? Right. How can I kill, you know, someone who is myself, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so the epiphany was that I felt like I, I was that the slump I was in was that I I was we, we I just said this before we hit record. Yeah. I was very very busy, but I wasn't productive. Mm. And what I mean is I wasn't productive in the sense of finding ways to share that truth and that message with people yeah. because I do believe it's the answer. It I do believe this is what Jesus was all about. Yeah. And I do believe that humanity needs to get this if we're ever going to move beyond this point. Yeah. Um we have to sort of raise the level of consciousness that humans are in right now yep. to the point where we get this. And I talk about this in Solideos. Um, there's something called spiral dynamics. And um, it's a wonderful, I, I just recommend read the book because I'll, I'll explain it much better in the book. <laughs> um, but but in, a, but in a nutshell, spiral dynamics is this idea that, um, I mean, it's based on, you know, the studies have been done and you can look back you can look at human history. You can mm-hmm. go back to like the Stone Age, mm-hmm. and look at the the conscious level, the the behaviors that go along with the the conscious level that people are in. Humanity has been in through the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, you know, um, the Renaissance, uh, the Jesus people movement, or the or the uh, you know the hippie movement in the sixties, yeah. um, the Green Movement, right? Mm-hmm. 
the, like these are levels of consciousness. We can track it throughout history. We can see we are making progress. Now, sometimes we take a step forward and and, and then take a step back, sure, right? Sure. It, it fluctuates, but in general, overall, humanity is moving slowly but surely towards these higher levels of human consciousness. And in spiral dynamics, the top, I, w- I don't want to say the top level, but it's the highest level we we have perceived to this point mm-hmm. is, is this Christ consciousness level. Mm-hmm. It's the level where you realize that everyone is connected to everybody else. Everybody has the divine spark. And, and it's the level of con- human consciousness that allows us to reach this place where we do stop going to war. We do stop an us then mentality. We do um, begin to, you know, truly solve these problems of um you know famine and hunger and things like this yeah so it seems like this is where human consciousness is going i believe this is where god is is pulling us and drawing us into and it's exactly the things that jesus said to us yeah so it, it kind of just lit a fire under me of like this is my purpose yeah whatever i do next it has to be about this uh, i yeah. need to start writing about this i need to start talking about this um and I, I my for myself, I need to, because like once you see this, yeah, um, and then, and again that I I've already done, I've already I've already proven this is true. It's possible to see this and then fall back to sleep, right? Um, Thomas Thomas and Jesus and the and Thomas quite often will use this metaphor of being a waking up, right? Yeah. You when he says things like stand up and do this, he's meaning when you when you wake up, that's what you do, you stand up. Because right? yeah. you're laying down when you're asleep. Mm. So, you know, it's it's standing up, open your eyes. But once your eyes are open and once you're awakened to this, as long as you're awakened to it, yes, you can begin to live this way and relate to others this way and and be sort of this seed of the kingdom or this pinch of yeast in the dough that, that you know, covers the whole lump of dough. Um, but it's possible to fall back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think that's what I had done. I had the big aha. And then I just kind of went, ho-hum. And then it's like, I think I woke up again and I realized this is what I need to be doing. And yeah. I'm very, very excited about what that's going to look like uh, moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine it's hard because, I mean, I think of you and like I said, you're known for that Jesus Un series. You're known for these courses that you do, you know, these groups that you're leading about deconstruction. Like that has been your world yes. for quite a while. Yes. And now you have evolved in a sense in terms of your consciousness you know your ideas things like that and now to take that and either weave it into what you're doing now or kind of pluck yourself out here and put yourself like a foot over here and you have a foot over there like that's that's a difficult thing to do like you know I, i for me like i think of myself like where i'm at it's just my podcast and it just evolves with me because this is my journey this is my story if people want to hop on board and come along great if not, yeah. there's other podcasts out there to listen to. If you still want to do, you know, some of that other stuff, that's fine. But I yeah. imagine for you, that's a difficult thing to grapple with is I have this, these new ideas, yeah. but I've already established this place. What yeah. am I going to do with this? Right. You're right. It is, it is a challenge. And um, it, I think the biggest challenge for me is that, I mean, yeah, I've moved on from where I was in the Jesus Sun series and sure. um even if you read this, the whole series, you'll notice it. People send me messages all the time. Like I, like if they, if they read them out of a certain order, you know right. what I mean? Like, like Untangled was the first one. So if they don't mm-hmm. read that one until the third or fourth or fifth book, I'm saying things on Untangled that I've already contradicted in other books uh, right. later on. So I, you know, there's, I'm, I'm changing, <laughs> I'm evolving, I'm growing. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
even You're within like Paul. The Jesus Unseries, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, just like Paul. Right. So, uh, you know, even within the Jesus on series, I, that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, I've definitely moved beyond that now. And um, my my concern isn't really for myself. My concern mm-hmm. more is for people who would, um, who I think could get a great benefit from the Jesus on series or or one of my courses or something, but who will say because of what I'm saying now. Yeah, that will seem scary to them, like Marcus Borg did to me, and Bart Hermansberg did to you. Yeah, they'll be like, "Oh, not that guy," and yep. and then they won't be able to, you know, access some of these things, these resources that I've created that it really still can't help them. Yeah. Um, but but I'm not really worried. So that's my only concern. Um, but for myself, it's sort of like, I this is who where I am. I have to be honest. I have to be true to what my journey now. And so I'm going to, I know I'm going to lose some people. I've already lost some people, Yeah. Um, but I know I'm going to pick up, you know, new people that are, they're going to hear what I'm saying. And they're going to be like, yes, that's it. Okay. Um, and I mentioned this in the video we're talking about, um, mm-hmm. but there's a little, there's a little piece of paper I keep in my wallet and I love Socrates. I was a philosophy minor in college and, and Socrates was like my favorite. I love Socrates. And there's a little saying of Socrates I keep in my wallet. And it actually, I, it came up in my epiphany. I was like, it, I was reminded of this saying. And it, it's um, that he says, the secret of change is to, to focus your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Yeah. And that saying took on a new meaning for me after my little epiphany, because I realized that Jesus Unseries was all about fighting the old. Yep. And now it was necessary. I do think I had to do it. I don't think I could get where I am now if I hadn't done that. Sure. But 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 I realized that that's what that is, right? That's me saying this old theology, this old system, this old way of thinking, this evangelical toxic theology. Here's why it's wrong, and it, well, I have seven books showing you how each of these things. <laughs> I'm trying to correct right. all these things. But here's the thing: I've done that now. Yep. I've done it, and I can let it down, and I can move on. And now I can move on to this to the. What Socrates says is the most important thing when you're moving towards change and you want to focus on change, it's to build the new. Yeah. And that's what is the excitement for me is like, I am building something new. Um, I'm, I'm, and I think I say in the video this too, that the exciting thing for me is realizing that nothing needs to be proven false before I, before what I believe right now is true, right? I don't have to prove to you that something is false in order to, to show you or to tell you that we are connected with God and God is, you know, we are, we have this oneness with God and therefore we have this oneness with one another. Sure. Um, and that's the exciting thing to me. I don't have to spend any time debating, debunking, you know, quoting a scripture and proving something isn't true. Um, I can just say, this is reality. This is the truth. Yeah. And because it's true, here's what we should do. Here's how yeah. we live it out. Here's how we walk it out. Yeah. And that's really cool. I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. I feel like you know, for me, like I've been calling it like deconstruction 2.0. But I've been telling mm-hmm. people like, I still feel like I'm deconstructing. I don't feel like yes. that's a, never arrive. You don't get a certificate of you're fully deconstructed <laughs> now and you've arrived. Yes. Like it, it just keeps on going. But I feel like you deconstruct like at different levels. And I feel like it's yeah. almost like an onion. Like for the yeah. first four or five years, I was at levels one, two, and three of the onion. But now I'm yeah. in this place, like it looks different. It smells different. Yeah. It feels different. But at the same time, like you said before about mystery, like the whole idea of oneness, I don't understand. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me on a yeah. on a intellectual level. Right. And five years ago, that would have bothered the crap out of me. Like I would have <laughs> been not been able to sleep. I would have been having anxiety about it. But now right. I'm like, I look back on those maybe five years ago and realize that all of that mystery was actually a really good thing. 
Yes. And so now I find myself falling back on that and saying, oh, like, I don't understand this. That's a good thing because it's going to take me somewhere much better than where I am right now. And so I kind right. of embrace that mystery as opposed to five years ago, I was trying to reject it because I wanted to have those answers and have an yeah. understanding of these different things I was questioning. Yeah, no, you're see, and I, that's why I think it's um, all all those things that have happened before had to happen, right? I, yes. I had to go through that deconstruction process to get to where I am now. Um, and I'm grateful for that. But like yeah. you said, I, I totally agree with you. It's like, it's funny because even at square one, I used to always tell people, you know, they would ask me, when does deconstruction end? And I would say, well, never, right? You should <laughs> always be questioning. You should always yeah. be learning and growing. You should all be, always be open to the possibility that you're wrong about something yeah. so that you're open to learn something something new. Yeah. And I and I said that not knowing that this is where I was. Where, where I was. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> but, yeah. But I love what you were saying too about, you know, how uh, the, the, the older version of you the, um, in deconstruction, it would have driven you crazy to not to not understand it, right? So yeah. I, I literally, I talk about this in Solo Deus, but I, I actually have it. I have to keep it by my desk. This is a napkin that I drew on. I literally drew on a napkin trying to make sense That's of, amazing. This, of this idea of non-duality. Like, um, because, you know, Jesus says this thing, right? Uh, he says in John, you know, uh, in that day, meaning not now, but someday soon, you're going to, he tells his disciples, you're going you're gonna to get this one day. Not right now, but, you know, trust me, it's going to happen. Uh, in that day, you will realize that I'm in the Father, yeah. and you are in me, and I'm in you. Yeah. So I was trying to draw that out. How is that? How is that possible, right? And um, and I, what I realize now is, I think what Jesus was saying. You know, I always read that as Jesus talking about only about Himself. This is something that's true only for me, and and I want to tell you something about me. But what I think Jesus was saying, that's the part at the beginning. You know, in that day, you will know, meaning you will know. You're yeah. going to realize yourself, you're going to be able to say exactly what Jesus is saying right there. You're going to say, I'm in the Father, and Glenn, you're in me, yeah. and I'm in you. Yeah. That's that's the epiphany. That's the, oh my gosh. Yeah. And and again, there's, first you get that, first you like, oh, wow. And then yes, then the next part is you're drawing on a napkin. You're trying to like make sense of it. How? <laughs> right. How can it, it's like some Russian nesting dolls, but that breaks apart immediately. Like, no, you can't put <laughs> one in the other one and the other one's still in, in the, the previous one. Like it doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, so there is a level of mystery to it. You have to say, well, I but it but I know it's true, right? I believe it's true. I think Jesus was telling us the truth. Yep. Um, and again, now that I see things going on in quantum science and quantum physics that are beginning to echo what the mystics have been saying what jesus was saying what buddha was saying what rumi was saying like um it's like yeah i do think this is a this is a revolutionary um truth that can help humanity kind of enter this raised level of consciousness where we start li living like and looking like jesus yeah. we really are starting to i think we that that it would empower us i think to learn to love one another this way and to see each other with this connection and this brotherhood or sisterhood, this oneness that we all share because of our connection with God. Yeah. So I'm really excited because I knew, I knew that our conversation was going to go down this road. I just had the inkling that we were going to get to these, to these, to these ideas, obviously. <laughs> um, but I'm reading this book that I just got the other day. Um, it's called a return to love. And I know you know about it because we talked about it on, on Facebook. Oh, yes. But I was reading this yesterday and I said to myself, I know our conversation is going to go here and I have to read this to Keith because oh, please. I have to, and I have to read it for you and our listeners. And I want everybody to hear this because this, 
this blew my mind. Like I was sitting in Starbucks yesterday with my coffee and I just sat there and I stared at this for like 10 minutes, like napkin type experience. Like, I don't know what to do with this because it blew my mind, but in all the best kind of ways. So I'm going to read just a couple excerpts from these two pages and then we'll just get your reaction and see and see what, if you have the same reaction that I did. So uh, it's by Marianne Williamson. And again, a return to love. Let's see. Let me see where I want to start. Okay. So if you, if you went deeply enough into your mind and deeply enough into mine, there is a level that we share, but we could go a step further. If you go deeply enough into your mind and deeply enough into mine, we have the same mind. The concept of a divine or Christ mind is the idea that at our core, we are not just identical, but actually the same being. There's only one begotten son, the Bible says. Doesn't mean that someone else was it and we're not. It means that we're all it. There is only one of us who is here. We're like the spokes on a wheel, all radiating out from the same center. If you define us according to our position on the rim, we seem separate and distinct from one another. But if you define us according to our starting point, our source, the center of the wheel, we're a shared identity. If you dig deep enough into your mind and deep enough into mine, the picture is the same. At the bottom of it all, what we are is love, just as God is love. The word Christ is a psychological term. No religion has a monopoly on the truth. Christ refers to the common thread of the divine love that is at the core and essence of every single human mind. The love in one of us is the love in all of us. There's actually no place where God stops and you start and no place where you stop and I start. Love is energy, an infinite continuum. Your mind extends into mine and into everyone else's. It doesn't stay enclosed within your own body. Salah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what do you even say after that? I mean, I, yeah. just, I just stared at that page yeah. for the longest time because it was, I, you said before about like, once you see something, you can't unsee it. That's right. And I felt like I was having these flashbulbs of like yeah. things that Paul said, things that were yeah. written in like the gospel of John, even things from like the book of Revelation about all these different, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I can see all of these things that I once understood in one way, Yeah. perhaps having an entirely different meaning than I ever imagined that they could. And I don't know what to do with that. Yes. And that's why I sat in Starbucks thinking, <laughs> I have to share this with Keith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I, I need to get a, I need to get a copy of that book. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's see, as you were reading what I, I wrote down some things because it was like, yes, um, like this is what, you know, some call it Christ consciousness. Carl Jung mm -hmm. called it the shared consciousness. Right. That um, I talked in Solar Mysterium about this thing called idea space, yep. uh, which is a fascinating concept about this is the reason why we can track this throughout history. Multiple mm -hmm. people have had the same discovery at the same time, like two or three people, I mean, separated by thousands of miles across the globe at the same time will discover the same thing. Uh, with no connection to each other. Like we're talking back in the 1600s before there was, you know, even telephone or yeah. radio, yeah. you know, so no communication between them, but how do they all come up with the same discovery, the same idea at the same time? Because it is a shared consciousness, right? right. Um, and so, yeah, uh, the way I talk about it, I think I talk about it in Solo Mysterium, but I probably, probably mentioned it in Solo Deus as well. Um, yeah, I know for sure I talk about it in Solo Mysterium. Um, the way I try to explain that exact thing that she's talking about is mm -hmm. this idea, like, so let's say there was a huge bonfire, right? We had a big bonfire and, and there's maybe there's say a hundred of us standing around the bonfire mm -hmm. and we each have a little candle, 
And one by one, we go up and we stick our candle in the flame and now we light our candle. So when we all finish, you would look around and say, wow, there's a hundred candles, there's a hundred flames. And they all look like separate flames, right? The one you're holding is flickering a little differently than mine. And and and, there's, and I can count them. I can see they're all separate. They're not, you know, yeah, but yeah. the reality is all fire is the same fire. Mm-hmm. It all came from that source, right? And And you could have a hundred billion candles and you could all you could light every one of them and guess what that bonfire would not start shrinking it wouldn't yeah. you're not taking fire out of it when you light that candle right and like oh it's going down we have less than we had before yeah. no you have just as much as before right yeah. it, it'll go exponentially forever and um and i think that's the, to me that's the way to understand that like the the spark the fire the the essence of the divine that we all have uh, it comes from that same source, yeah. and 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 from a certain perspective, it can look like, oh, you have a different one than I do, mm-hmm. but the reality is, it's all the same fire. It all came out of that same fire, the same source, yeah. and and there's no difference between it. And and it's that um, I want I want to say too, like if anybody's ever, uh, and I highly recommend it. Um, uh, ba- Baxter Kruger has an excellent. Thing. He's really onto this now. Hmm. Um, it's called the Mediation of Christ. He he made it available as a free PDF. You can go to his website and download it for free. Hmm. And and Baxter does a wonderful job from a Christian perspective of of kind of blowing people's minds. If you read it through, he's really really does a wonderful job on helping Christians understand uh, your oneness with Christ. Yeah. Right. What it means for you to have oneness with Christ. And I think it's fantastic and amazing, and everyone should read it. If you're if you're if you're curious about this concept as a Christian, but to me that's like one half of it's it's one side of the coin, but it's not both sides of the coin. Mm. I think once you really really get it, the way Baxter is explaining it to you, oh my gosh, I have this incredible inseparable connection to Christ. Wow! But then I think you have to stop and make a make another realization. If this is if I have this incredible oneness with Christ, where you can't tell where I end and Christ begins. So do you. And so that what does that mean? So that means you're in here with me, right? I have a connection with you because if your connection with Christ is so much that I can't, you can't tell where you end and Christ begins, then, but that's the same with me. Yeah. Then there's a connection between us and he doesn't go all that way. I mean, he hasn't yet that I know mm-hmm, of. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's like, I think he's a great entry point into what we're talking about, right? I think, I think if, if, if you're a Christian and you're wrestling with this, go read Baxter Kruger he'll use scriptures. He'll use, you know, amazing. It's fantastic. Um, to me, that's the first step. But yeah. I think once you really, really begin to get it and follow it through to its natural conclusion, you can't help but realize if this is true, that I have this incredible oneness with Christ, then everyone else does too. Yeah. And now what do I do with that? And yeah. I think that is really what Jesus was trying to get us to see. Yeah. It's funny. I was sitting, we were picking up my daughter yesterday from school and my wife and I were in the car in the pickup line and we were waiting, you know, for the bell to ring, whatever. And I was telling her about this thing I just read you. And I'm trying to explain it to her because I didn't have the book with me. And I'm like, yeah. I'm all over the place. You know, she's looking at me <laughs> like, you know, this is a crazy talk. But then yeah. I said to her, I'm like, but I said, don't you see like this is this is the solution. Like you said earlier, this is the solution to yeah. the wars. This is the yes. solution to all this gun violence that we have. This yes. is the solution to everything. Because if we if we take all of that we just talked about yeah. and we say that this is reality, this is this is it. Then when I look at you, like you said, I I see, I see three things, right? I see like a trinity of things. I see Keith Giles, yeah, but I also see God because yeah. the same breath of God that's in you is also in me. 
But then I also see myself because the very same God stuff that's flowing through me, like the fire you talked about before is flowing through you. And therefore, why I I can't possibly hate you. I can't possibly want to hurt you. I can't possibly want to do any of those things to you because I see you, I see God, and I see myself when I look at you. That's right. And if we could collectively grasp that, imagine what we could what we could do. If we could invest our energy in grasping that as opposed to our energy in war and fighting and all these different yes. things, imagine the change that we could that we could bring. Right. I 100% agree and I think yeah. this is the reason this is the reason why I realized like whatever this next deconstruction 2.0 looks like for me, it's uh, it's about building the new and that's it. It's yep. helping people to get that and see that. Um, because I think it's it's the answer to everything. I even wrote that right. down. I said this is the answer to everything. That's it. That's it. Maybe that's maybe that's your third book. Maybe that's the, maybe that's <laughs> Solo Three. I don't know what you're gonna call it, but <laughs> you have another well, one coming have out. That, right? I already have that worked out, but um, but it, there'll be, there will be a book on this down the road. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. Well, Keith, we're just about out of time, but thank you so much for getting in the weeds with me. Thanks for the yeah. work you're doing. Thanks for being a friend. Thanks so much, Glenn. Love you, man. Whispers in my head. Ready to stumble You know what they say Just shingami up